Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Jonathan Webdale. We hope you're safe and well wherever you may be. Coming up in this episode, Peter Bowker, writer of The A Word and director Fergus O'Brien, talk about working together on the BBC drama, which begins its third season today and the projects they currently have on hiatus as a result of the coronavirus pandemic. But first, writer and producer Jeff Pope talks about his new fast turnaround ITV lockdown drama Isolation Stories that's being stripped across the network this week. Pope's written or produced a string of factual dramas from Little Boy Blue and Appropriate Adults to The Confession and Hatton Garden, but came up with isolation stories as a response to the COVID-19 crisis and his own wife coming down with the virus. Here he is in conversation with Michael Pickard, editor of C21's Drama Quarterly. You know, a lot of writers I've been speaking to are saying, you know, obviously they're doing a lot of developing, a lot of writing. How has development change for you at this time is it kind of you know business as usual with meetings no it's just the uncertainty really it's um yeah lots of zoom meetings but not quite being able to plan you know there's there's a couple of things ready to go you know the the consensus seems to be july for a september shoot august for october shoot that kind of thing but it's still very much up in the air and it depends what type of piece as well if you've got something that's that's very people heavy if you have something which naturally is a couple of people in the room that's going to be easier than 100 extras it's just it's so much uncertainty what's some of the feedback you're hearing from you know the commissioners or other producers about what might happen you know a few months down the line very cloudy not really any um no one no one's sure and uh, and and i guess you know you're, you're known for um your kind of factual dramas and i guess this new one, Isolation Stories, is uh, <laughs> right on the money at the moment, isn't it, in terms of uh, real-life stories? Well, uh, what happened was, I I think, you know, just from talking to people, my, my experience was that fragments of a big picture come to us. Uh, there will be a drama made about these months in, in the future, which, which will look at the thing with the benefit of hindsight and try and work out what it all meant. At the moment, it's quite a fragmented picture. And that was my inspiration. My, my, vividly to me, my wife was very ill with the virus and um, I had a lot of time to reflect as I was, was with her. So in a, in a small way, I mean, we didn't, I didn't, you know, thank, thank goodness she recovered. And there are thousands of people who, whose stories end in tragedy. But um, I, I, I was very aware of everybody having a, 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 some small experience of of the bigger picture because we're all in our own homes we we're not you know we we can use we can use um the tool the modern tools such as you know phones and you know the telephone and uh, uh zoom and uh facetime and all those ways we have to stay in touch but we are still seeing it through a narrow narrow window and um what formed in my mind was was short stories I mean, a lot of people, I mean, there's still Oscars that are given for short stories every year at the Academy Awards, but they're not really something that you see much on television. And yet, uh, because, because we're not trying to tell the whole story of, corona, of the coronavirus pandemic, or indeed, you know, one story that's, that's a long form, we're just trying to tell these fragmented, trying to paint a fragment, fragmented picture of what's going on. And so my inspiration was... was if you make, if if we make a short story, we have a chance for it to, to write it, shoot it, and transmit very quickly. And uniquely, I thought there was a chance for scripted content, drama, to have something to say about what was going on. 
you know, normally it's, um, it's those fast, you know, the news, current affairs programs, reality programs, daytime programs, breakfast programs, they can all reflect instantly what's happening. And, and there's, there's been some really uh, wonderful stuff that's done. But I, I thought there was an opportunity here for scripted, for drama, to say something as well, to try and reflect what, what was going on. What has been then your approach to kind of development and, and working with the, the three other writers that you've um, been working with on this to create those stories? Well, it, it was, I felt that the element that, that really, that might be missing um, in, the, in the whole picture was um, an emotional journey. It's not something you can force in a documentary or, or in a news programme, but to understand how these things affect us emotionally is what a drama can do. So I talked to ITV, to Polly Hill and Kevin Ligo, and their attitude right from the beginning was to say, I know that you'll try and make them as polished as you can, but we're fully prepared for them to, to look, you know, not as smartly produced as what you'd normally see. But I think people will give us, cut us some slack because we're having a go. Commissioned four stories, which they wanted to put out each night in a, in a 15 minute slot. Uh, so I contacted um, three other writers who, whom, I, whom, I, whom I admire. Neil Mackay, who's a longtime colleague who, who's written Appropriate Adult and other great pieces of factual drama like that. Um, Billy Ivory was a friend from a long time who, who has a different voice. He has he, he a different style. He's very intense, very dialogue-driven Billy's style. And I, I happen to really enjoy uh, misbehaviour, Gabby Schiappe, and I really, really felt it was important that there was a woman writing one, at least one of these stories. And so I contacted Gabby and we chatted and, and I, I, I said, will you, will you do one? So all of us wrote our story in a few days, five, six days. I said, um, I said they, 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 they pitched to me their stories and I realised that we were telling different stories or we were occupying different parts of the terrain but I tried not to be too prescriptive I just said it should reflect something that they they come across either themselves or and their friends or family so it should be inspired by by real events and um, we shouldn't be afraid of making people laugh and making people cry uh, but it should it should be a mirror we should we should be saying to people out there in, in a small way this will connect with you this is what you're going through so um, uh, the scripts were written very quickly. Then we embarked on the most difficult, I would say, part of the process, which was casting, because we didn't have, you know, we didn't have a, a perfect choice. If we take, for instance, my story, which was about, initially it was about a mother and a son. What you needed, therefore, was an older generation actor and a younger generation actor living in the same house. Both of them needed to be actors. And we needed someone else in the house who could operate the camera because obviously none of our crew could go into their house. In fact, it, 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 what, we did, what, we, what we settled on was we discovered that uh, Robert Glenister is an actor I, I really admire, worked with in the past. Um, he was isolating with his son, Tom, who's uh, early 20s, um, who'd already done some work. We chatted and I, I thought it was really impressive. And I, I thought we'd be in safe hands with uh, Robert and Tom and also with Celia, Robert's wife, Tom's mum, who was going to be our camera person. And um, she did the most amazing job. We had to work with what we were, we were presented with. So I had to change the script slightly to, to suit 
exactly what we knew was there. And off we went. And the same, you know, there was an even more um, complex uh, requirement with the, the story uh, Karen, which is the story of, um, the, 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 it features Eddie Marsan and David Threlfall. So that we needed, we needed a, a, an actor um, isolating with a couple of children who could act and someone else to film. But then we also, the other element in that was, it, it was, it was inspired by Neil Mackay's own experience of trying to stay in contact with his grandkids. So there's a kind of a, what we affectionately call a mad granddad character who, who passes by the house uh, and speaks to them through the window and messes around and does granddad stuff and embarrasses the kids. And it's a story of a broken family. Uh, Eddie plays someone whose wife has, has left him and who's very, still very angry about that. And David Threlfall plays his father-in-law. And it's, it's a story of, of, of healing, but it's also a story of how frustrating lack of contact is. We, we, can't, we can't, it's difficult to look into each other's eyes. It's we can't hold each other uh, unless we're isolating, whoever we're isolating with. We can't hold each other. We can't, you know, there, there, there's not contact. There's not proper contact. You, you can, there's only so much you can do via um, a screen. So um, Eddie plays the, um, the husband. Two of his sons, Blue and Bodie, play his children. And Eddie's wife, Janine, was in that instance our camera operator. Uh, so it, it, was, it was a really stressful and intense and difficult casting process because it's not, you know, there were all sorts of factors that you don't normally have to deal with. But we got there, you know, we, and we, we got really lucky. We, 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 to, to, to a man and woman, the um, performances are fantastic. And the backup from other members of the family has just been extraordinary. When, when, you, when, we, when we get to filming, it's um, a bit like our screen now. We're talking through um, Zoom. And so the other participants are little boxes around the edge of the main image. The main image in, in our shoot, we, we deliver camera equipment, which has been sterilized, to the house. The actors and actresses take the equipment in and then give it another sterilized just for good luck. One of our technicians stands a couple of metres away and uh, conducts a kind of rudimentary um, crash course in how to operate. And then pretty much away we go. And so what, what happens on the shoot is you've got, we, we can all see remotely, all the, the director, the cameraman, the first assistant, the um, lighting technicians, we can all see what the camera sees. We can remotely uh, change focus. We can remotely change the aperture. aperture, And we can talk via earpieces to whoever's operating about framing and about how to move the camera. And then away we go. And it was the most wonderful adventure. You know, there was some really brilliant work done technically to get us to a a point where, where we could shoot. How do you see this playing out over the next few weeks and, and possibly months? Well, I, I, I hope that, um, like everyone else in the country, that if it's safe to do so, we'll start to relax a bit come summer. I think these, these films are very unique in that they were made and transmitted during the, in, the, in the teeth of the crisis when we were all forced to all stay in our own homes. Uh, and they, 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 it was very important to us to reflect that. It, it, I guess it depends what, what happens going forward. If, if we're forced to uh, start, live under these conditions for another couple of months, then I guess, yes, we should look at, uh, if, 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 there's, if they're successful, if people enjoy and watch them, then we should look at doing some more. 
or if the situation changes then you know we should maybe look to reflect that but for now i think that's the our, our absolute focus has been to get on air whilst it's going on and and, and like you say you know the the time to reflect wider on the coronavirus pandemic will be in the months and years ahead you think rather than you know immediately uh you know looking back on what we've experienced this these last few months yeah i think if you tried to do it now it would just be scattergun you'd just be uh you know all all the questions you know what was there a, a mess up with procurement of uh ppe and should we have isolated sooner you know w- w- did china lie to the who all those big questions that that are out there can't we can't answer them now we don't we don't really know we we've, we're just grabbing it little bits so that will have to wait, I think, until we can look back and, and bring some perspective on it. Jeff Pope talking with Michael Pickard. Isolation Stories is currently airing at 9pm on ITV1 in the UK and headed to US streaming service BritBox from June the 23rd. Peter Bowker is the acclaimed playwright and TV scribe behind series including Blackpool, Occupation and Wuthering Heights, as well as more recently ITV's World on Fire and autism-centred family drama The A Word. The third season of the latter starts its run on the BBC Today and Michael Pickard caught up with Bowker and director Fergus O'Brien to hear about their collaboration on the series but started off asking them about how the coronavirus pandemic has impacted their other work. I'm still writing the second series of The World on Fire which was due to start filming in September but I imagine the most optimistic would be you'd push it back to October, it starts to get complicated after that because <laughs> they wanted to film the first block in Spain as well, which also doesn't help. Mm. Uh, but I am actually right. The, the one, the one bit of certainty they're trying to cling on to is that they will have all the scripts in before they start because they want to schedule. They might end up scheduling in such a way because Jonah, for instance, is halfway through filming the live-action Little Mermaid play Prince Eric, so availability and everything might mean the scheduling will have to be one of those incredible difficult yeah. jigsaw. What I was hoping was that they'd, somebody would take their foot off the pedal, but um, <laughs> sadly, sadly not. What about you, Fergus? Um, I was meant to start, I was going to do a block on season two of Gentleman Jack, mm-hmm. um, but that's all kicked into the long grass. Um, right. What I'm hearing is, I don't know, but what my the, the word I'm getting is that there's unlikely that anything will happen this year because social distancing isn't going to be eased off, whatever about lockdown. And that makes it a bit difficult, particularly, well, in anything really, but I can't imagine how you'd manage the canoodling of Gentleman Jack. Um, I think it'll take a while. I mean, so I've mm-hmm. actually gone back to... I, um, I come from a documentary background, Michael. So um, that's, I've, I've gone back to that. So I'm I'm working back at the BBC, doing helping them with their docs slate at the minute, which is um, challenging. Trying to do make documentaries remotely. Yeah. So what, what what can you tell us a bit about that quickly? You know, what what kind of subjects are you working on, and how is that happening in practice? My main project at the moment is is. It's yet to be greenlit. We're in a development, paid development at the minute, but it's about, um, the, it would be the BBC's sort of response to the whole crisis. So filmed over a year and then to be a kind of reflective piece about 
the impact of the virus and how it sort of shaped and changed the way we live and how it was managed. So it's really, really interesting. Uh, quite a lot to kind of keep in your head and quite a lot to sort of get the material in and because it's quite strict about what you can get out there and film. Um, and UGC, which is kind of quite in vogue at the moment for obvious reasons, is, a, is pretty unsatisfying. <laughs> But anyway, it's good. I'm enjoying it. It's great to be occupied. It's great to have a job. Yes, that's, uh, yeah, that's the, the biggest thing at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. And, and, and Peter, I mean, how are you? Is, is development changing much for you then at the moment? Are you still locked away writing or are you doing more things online and having different meetings? What's, how has the development process changed? For the first day, the other day, I got that kind of Zoom fatigue that I've never, that people had talked about who were doing loads of stuff on Zoom, but I had about four back-to-backs. And that, and it, there's a strange. It's there's a, you have to stay more attentive on Zoom than you do in a room. I think there's no kind of mm. looking down. But I was I, obviously it's always entertaining to do Zoom with Damien Timmer because he was he was. I was relieved to find out he was on an exercise bike the other day because I couldn't see his lower body, but there was a lot of activity down there. <laughs> um, uh, so that's always entertaining. I think for writers. For writers like me, anyway, that have stuff in development, I have got a couple of things in development as well as a thing. I think the absence of work is going to be further down the line because at the moment, the only thing people can do is commission scripts because that's the only bit of activity in this industry we can do. And then I think there's going to be a huge logjam of work accumulated in this lockdown period. So I think for writers, it will hit post-lockdown when there will, because an abundance of materials being created. The one thought I had was, I'm, I'm obviously a huge Alan Bennett fan and incredibly pleased they're doing a, they're rebooting all the talking heads with a, a new cast. I think that's an incredibly interesting thing to do. And there's two new ones and that's great. And I love the fact that Thora Heard shall remain untouched so nobody dare go there. But what I think, surely, what it reflects is the only thing we can do is monologue. I think it would be very nice if in the spirit of that they commissioned 12 new writers to television mm. or writers who had their own stuff on and did 12 monologues to kind of to run parallel. Because it's the one time where the virtue of the comparative cheapness of it would serve new, would allow us to introduce new voices. So I'm, I'm delighted. I'm all, you know, I love the original Talking Heads. I've seen other versions of them. They're a great piece of work. And I think it's exciting in terms of the performers and the reinterpretation. But I think it would be great to run a parallel project with 12, either writers new or new first time original work. Because what you're always told about breaking new writers is it's incredibly hard because it's incredibly expensive. Mm. This is maybe the one time we can make a virtue of its comparative cheapness. I was going to say, you haven't got a, you haven't got a lockdown drama kind of in, in the back pocket, have you, or some sort of uh, No, I'm writing, um, drama. you know, the most interesting thing about the other two things I'm writing is because World War II is firmly locked in the past, that's fine. But the other two are obviously will be filmed in a future. And we don't know what that, and so do we reference yeah. coronavirus? Is it something that happened for three months we forgot about? Or is it like, and I was thinking that every crime writer will all the alibis for this period of time will stack up because they'll say, well, I was in the house. I was in the house for six months. So every crime drama will have to factor in a six-month spell where nobody committed crime. So I think that's the, you know, I'm writing a, this kind of, this romantic comedy and 
there's references to the past in it all the time. And I keep thinking, but we haven't settled. I'm writing something set in the future, so I don't know what is this is going to be. And it might be, you know, who knows? We might be, I might be drawing it on the side of a cave. And, and so, I mean, the, the A word, did that sneak in under the wire then? Or have you kind of been breathing quite easily for a few weeks and, and not had to worry too much about any finishing touches? No, we got, we were well within, we were well under the wire, weren't we, for this? So we always knew it was going to go spring. Um, but the, the vagaries of when we filmed it and everything meant that it was delivered early. Before uh, coronavirus was even a, a, a thing that thing. we're aware of. I was going to ask Fergus just about, you know, you've seen the first two seasons and now you're kind of marrying that with your, you know, your own directorial style, however influenced by mm. documentary or drama that might be. How did you, do you have a process that you came to with, you know, to the show with, or were you kind of, I guess, trying to make your own stamp on it without, I guess, moving too far away from what had come before? Yeah, I suppose it's nearer to, to the latter. You know, I, I, I was very mindful of um, and respectful of the, of what brought people to it, and, and and I knew that people really loved the show, so you know, you don't want to mess with that. And also, I suppose those locations, particularly in the lakes, I mean, they're just so visually sort of powerful. Um, there was a lot there. There was a really good template, and I guess the only thing I really wanted to try and do was to really had time to consider what Peter had written and to find the rhythms visually to try and help find rhythms that would work with the rhythms of Pete's writing and the emotional pitch of the scenes. So things would slow down when they needed to slow down and be much stiller and so that you could really be in the emotional, in an emotional moment if Pete had written that. Um, or if it was something that sort of deserved to have more movement and more energy and more uh, oomph to it, then, then we would bring that. So it was just working to the undulation in the writing. And that's what I was trying. That, that was about all I wanted to try and amplify a bit more if I could. What is it that you, you both enjoy about working on the series and writing the series, I guess, you know, specifically and, and directing it? But what do you, you know, it's, it's such a love show now by the viewers. What is it that you hope? they get from it and, and particularly this third season by pushing the story a bit further in, in a new direction maybe? Well I'll just quickly get in and then let Pete have the finishing word on that. For me it was just about those beautifully written characters and having the chance and an, an amazing cast and an incredible location. That was just a gift and also to be able to tell stories that I'm not, I just don't think we're used to seeing and points of view that we're used to seeing on TV um, and as Pete said just to have those characters brought more into the spotlight. So for me, it was, it was working with a big ensemble cast like that, who were all just stellar and, um, and having great material to work with. Well, I mean, for me, to, to, to return the compliment, for me, it was like, you know, having someone as talented as Fergus come along, who's to have somebody that good with that kind of instinct, with the same kind of instincts as me, I think, is not to necessarily tell a story in a straight line and not necessarily to take sides. In telling a story and but the joy for me of this is in series three we've managed you know I'm right we're writing a, a mainstream family drama and three of the lead stories are people who were normally marginalized in those stories who were driving the stories and that's you know that's I, that's that's the, 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 the thing that's most joyous for me Peter Bowker and Fergus O'Brien talking about the A-word, which returns to BBC One in the UK today at 9pm. 
That's all for this episode. Remember, if you'd like to share your story of coping with COVID-19 with the international TV industry, email us using the address press at c21media.net. There'll be more from the podcast tomorrow, but in the meantime, stay safe and stay up to date with all the latest developments by following C21 online, on mobile and social media. Thanks for listening.